It's the Locked On Aggies Podcast, presented by Locked On Podcast Network, talking all things Texas A&M. Now, here's your host, Cole Thompson. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back here in the driver's seat, talking all things Texas A&M and getting you ready for another upcoming weekend as Texas A&M is done at home. Guys, there's no more home games, no reason to go to College Station unless you're a student up there or you want to go see some basketball games this upcoming weekend. We are going to talk a little bit about that on tomorrow's show, but today... We are going to focus all of our attention on yesterday's press conference as Texas A&M prepares to take on the University of Georgia as they start their battle to possibly become the playoff curse in the SEC. Guys, before we go any further, make sure you're following us on all of our social media platforms. You can follow us at Locked On Aggies. Follow us at Aggies SI Sports Illustrated's Aggie Maven and the Locked On Podcast Network have partnered together to create quality content, both written, visual, and audio for you to hear. So there's always going to be something on AggieMaven.com. That's SI.com slash T-A-M-U. Make sure you're following us on social media at Aggies SI. And if you just want to talk to me, have a conversation, you know, let's see what we got going going on. Maybe you have something that you want to talk about A&M. Bring up something on the show that you really like. Something you don't like. I'm all for it. Follow me at Mr. Cole Thompson. There wasn't a show on Monday, but that doesn't mean that there wasn't great coverage on Monday. Guess what? Texas A&M back in the rankings for the first time since October 13th, coming in at number 24 on the AP's newest ranking system. The Aggies now sitting at 7-3, and three, guaranteeing they will finish above 500 for the second time in the Jimbo Fisher era. Remember, he's here for 10 years on a $75 million contract. $7.5 million a year might be a lot, but when you think about it, it's actually not that much if the results are promising, and right now, there's a chance that they could finish 9-3, and three, one win more than they had last year during the regular season. But it all starts this weekend against Georgia in Georgia at Sanford Stadium. That game will be able to be seen all across America. It is the SEC Game of the Week. That will be on CBS. Kickoff is at 2.30. We got, of course, Brad Nessler. We got Gary Danielson. We got the whole shebang from CBS giving you all the up-to-date coverage. But we also have Coach Fisher and the players talking about this game. Right now, a lot of people are saying this could be an opportunity for AM to really make a difference because they can do, at this point, is they could ruin the college ball playoff for both Georgia and and LSU. But the focus isn't on that. The focus is on just getting this team better. Everyone knows what we've seen from Georgia this season. Everyone has seen what LSU can do this season, but that's not what Coach Fisher is worried about right now. He's more so focused on getting his players to play at the highest level he can get them at, because if they do, they could be a team that is going to threat and make a chance at possibly joining a New Year's Six Bowl game. And if that happens, that's a major step for the program. A lot of people are talking about A&M possibly being a team that goes to a New Year's Day Bowl game. But what are the lower ones? Like the Outback Bowl, or the Gator Bowl, or the Citrus Bowl, or maybe even the Music City Bowl on New Year's Eve. One of those games. But if they can win out, 
it doesn't really matter because they're not going to go to the SEC championship. It'll be LSU or Alabama, more than likely with the injury to Tua Tungavailoa, who is out for the remainder of the year. It's a crushing blow to the SEC. There's a very good shot that AM could finish 9-3, and though, and contend for that maybe second at-large bid, SEC kind of bid for one of the New Year's Six Bowl games. The reality is, though, none of that happens if AM cannot have a good start against Georgia. And here was Coach Fisher's thoughts on Georgia as a whole, as a team, and what they've shown this season, not just in the SEC, but overall in college football, and why they are probably deserving of that number four ranking right now. You know, still a lot of things to work on. We're getting better and better. The young guys are playing with more consistency. We got to keep pounding that to get more consistency out of them because you know, we got an extremely tough opponent coming up this weekend. Georgia, as you watch the film, a sounding opponent as we'll play and have played. I mean, they're solid in all three phases. Defenses are outstanding, I think. I don't know what, there got to be one, two, three in the country on defense, giving up 10 points a game, 260 yards a game, 75 yards rushing a game, third down percentages, low 30s. I mean, they, they affect you up front with multiple fronts, multiple packages, blitzes, coverages. I mean, they, they do a really, really good job. Got really good players, coach very well, and you know, as good a defense as we've played all year without a doubt by far. Offensively, on the, by as good an offensive line, they can run the football. Backs are outstanding. I mean, sweet, you talk about Swift, but 35 and all them other guys, they're really good players. They used to play action game very well. Jake's a tremendous quarterback, takes care of the football, makes smart decisions, plays winning football, makes the big plays when he has to, and run it whatever he has to do. Really good player. They have big, long guys at the receiver position, hard to match up in what you do there. Uh, and they're a very sound football team, offense and defensively, really good. Give scoring 32 and giving up 10, so that's pretty good. Overall, when you look at Georgia, they're kind of another team that's in that Alabama range. You wonder who have they really played this year outside of Notre Dame and Florida. And in both those games, there were some struggles at times. Auburn, yeah, at the very end, it was kind of competitive. More so on the legs of Bo Nix, but you know, we saw what Bo Nix could do in College Station. I mean, we saw that he was a runner first and a passer second. Dual threat kind of ability. That's going to be a completely different game plan this week. The biggest thing that AM has seen a lot this season, especially in the SEC West, is a lot more dual threat guys. You look at Garrett Schrader from Mississippi State. You look at John Reese Plumley or Matt Coral from Ole Miss. Bo Nix from Auburn. Tua Tungavailoa. All those guys have the mobile ability to really run with the ball if there's nothing open. Jake Fromm, on the other hand, is your quality all-American pocket passing quarterback. Game manager, tries to get the ball into the right pocket, tries to find his receivers downfield, works to his advantage with having a great offensive line, doesn't really try to extend plays outside the pocket. He feels comfortable standing still and delivering a strike. That's going to be AM's biggest difference this week after facing off against so many more dual threat kind of guys. They had a little bit of practice against Tyler Helinski from South Carolina. He's more of a pocket passing guy, but he was able to move just a little bit more. I don't think you're going to see that that much with Fromm. But overall, you look at this Georgia team and you wonder how good is Notre Dame and how good is Florida? And if you put Florida and AM against each other right now, do you think that they would match up well? Because of if you think that, you have to think that AM definitely stands a chance. Right now, they sit as a 14 point underdog 
to the Bulldogs. Probably part of that is due to the game being played in Athens away from College Station, and we've seen what AM has done this season away from Aggieland, so that could maybe factor into the decision of why maybe it's that way. But overall, if you think that Florida could win 9 out of 10 against Georgia, or if you even think that Florida and AM could match up against each other pretty well, and AM could maybe win 7 out of 10, 8 out of 10 times, you have to think at the same time they could do the exact same thing to Georgia because even though Georgia had the game for a majority of it, Florida still competed till the very end and made it a little interesting heading into the final minutes of that game. Speaking of final minutes, there's several players on both sides of the ball that you're going to want to look at. There's definitely players that the AM players are already circling on their depth charts, wondering how they're going to stop them, how they're going to block them, and we're going to talk about all that in just a quick moment. Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson's still here in the driver's seat. Guys, if you don't already know, LockedOnPodcast.com has a ton of podcasts that you're going to want to listen to. It's college football season still. It's almost rivalry week, so we know we're going to have a ton of shows wanting to talk to each other about that. So you're definitely going to want to listen. So make sure you go follow it on LockedOnPodcast.com. There's a ton of great and quality content that you're going to want to listen to to help expand your college football knowledge and get you ready for bowl season coming up in just a few weeks. And you want to, of course, listen to me. So if you want to follow me on social media, it's at Mr. Cole Thompson. Follow us at Locked on Aggies and check out all of our great content at si.com slash T-A-M-U. Going back to the press conference, Coach Fisher said something that really resonates to me personally because of I think that this has been Georgia's game plan for years and it's coming true week after week by what we've seen from the success of these players to the NFL. And that's, they're a running back by committee. The New England Patriots are a team that when you look at on paper, they don't really run with one set dude. They have multiple runners in the backfield. They have a guy on third down in James White. They have a guy in Sonny Michelle who kind of mixes it up on first and second. They have a Rex Burkhead type guy. They have a ton of running backs to Damian Harris to mix and match up the style they're going to run with. And sometimes that works in your favor and sometimes that backfires for fantasy, but it works for a team that maybe doesn't want to rely so much on their passing game. And even if they want to rely on their passing game because they do have a good quarterback, you want to make it multiversal. So where every single time you're taking a snap, that defense is going to think you're going up against the run. And they're just going to float it over your head in a zone man coverage. And there you go. Touchdown. Patriots do it all the time. You look at what Kirby Smart has done out in Athens, and it's kind of the same situation. They're a run team first. You look at some of the names that have been there. Todd Gurley, Nick Chubb. Last year you had Elijah Holyfield. And now you have a couple other guys who are really making a name for themselves. But we're not going to focus on DeAndre Swift just yet. Everyone knows who DeAndre Swift is. But there's other guys in that backfield who could be very big difference makers for this Bulldog offense. Georgia will come into Saturday with the 47th ranked offense in all of college football, 24th in rushing, 80th in passing. So that's what I mean by when I say they're going to rely a lot on the run game over the passing game. It's not that Jake Fromm is a bad quarterback, it's just they have a better chance of scoring with their multi-versatile backfield. 
DeAndre Smith, of course, is the big name that everyone's going to want to talk about, but there's three other guys who can be changed the pace backs. Brian Harrion, Zamir White, and Kenny McIntosh. They really don't see that much playing time, but when they do, they make plays. So let's focus in on Harrion. Harrion this season only has 77 carries, but he's averaging 5.1 yards per carry, and he has five touchdowns on the year. Last week against Auburn, he had a very big game. Swift kind of played another role with it, but he's been that guy who's been able to be effective in the run game. He's also been pretty effective in the passing game a little bit too. He has 78 yards, one touchdown that way. But when you look back, James Cook is going to be that guy that you're probably going to want in on passing downs. He's averaging 6.7 yards per catch. A lot of dump passes out of the backfield are going to be what you see. Overall, I definitely think that that's what... A&M needs to prepare for when especially you're looking at that nickel position a guy such as Charles Oliver who maybe is playing in a zone style in the flats he's going to probably come up and be guarding the guy out of the backfield then you have to focus in of course on DeAndre Swift this is the guy who a lot of people I've spoken to around the league are saying could be the number one running back taken in April's draft just another guy coming from Athens to make his mark in the NFL Looking at his numbers, he has 164 rushing attempts for over 1,000 yards and 7 touchdowns on the year. He's averaging 6.3 yards per run. When you average over 5 yards per run, it means one of two things. You're either really bad, but you get a couple of big runs a game that allow you to extend plays, that allow you to be that guy in the open field, or... You're consistent. And everything about DeAndre Swift and this Georgia offense is consistency. And he's been the most consistent player on that offense. And probably that's due to a great offensive line. They have an offensive tackle in Andrew Thomas, who's going to be, in my opinion, he needs to be the first offensive tackle taken in April's draft whenever it comes around. He has great footwork, great hands. He can play left tackle. He can kind of multiverse around. There's going to be teams out there who maybe are looking for a right tackle over a left tackle. He's a guy that you could look at, maybe build around, see him as part of your future plan over than just the present. I think that that's been the biggest consistency on top of Swift. Swift is just a shifty runner who also has great... Uh, agility, great eyes, can move in the backfield, can see very consistently where he's going, and is an all-purpose back. With him and Brian Harrion, you're going to have the front seven for Mike Elko load into the box because you're going to want to trust that your secondary, now healthy, hopefully with the news that Elijah Blades is expected to play, Damani Richardson coming back, all of that combined, you're going to hope that you can stop these two. Because you want to make Jake Fromm pass. And here's why. Fromm, although being one of the better quarterbacks we've seen in Georgia history since he stepped on the field during his freshman season, has had a down year overall. He only has 1968, doesn't even have 2,000 passing yards. He's averaging less than 65% completion ratings per game. And he only has 16 touchdowns. If you force him to pass the ball and take away the running element, that's a huge X factor in favor of the Aggies. Not because of Fromm can't pass. Fromm can pass. But you're going to want to show that he can pass. 
he hasn't had a work to pass because the way the run game has been all season. When you look at the running game this season, they have over 2,000 rushing yards combined and 18 touchdowns. They have more than Jake Fromm does in passing yards and also in touchdowns. Take that away and force Fromm, who in my opinion is the best game manager in college football. Like when when he translates to the NFL, we talk about game managers like Alex Smith, like a Case Keenum, like a even Kirk Cousins. That's what you're going to get from a Jake Fromm. He can get you there. But you better have a good offensive arsenal around him to get you to be built. You make him work with this arsenal that he has. Because they lost a lot last year. They lost some really good players last year. Not just Holyfield. They also lost Mecole Hardman. And Mecole Hardman was a burner. You make him pass. That is a huge advantage in favor of the Aggies. Speaking of advantages, does AM's recent winning streak and Georgia's late comebacks by other teams give the Aggies a little bit of an advantage coming into this game? We will talk about that in just a quick moment. Guys, you should treat yourself to a nice meal and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code Locked On. If you're listening on the go, no worries, we got you covered. If you can't visit DoorDash right now, you can find this and all other offers from Locked On Sponsors at LockedOnPodcast.com slash sponsors. So go ahead and download that DoorDash app and spend $15, we'll pay for five, get you a nice hot meal today. Locked On Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson still here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Getting you ready for Saturday's 2.30 kickoff as Texas A&M faces number four Georgia in Sanford Stadium. Game will be televised on CBS. It is the SEC Game of the Week. We got Gary. We got Brad Nesser. We got everyone coming to watch this game because this could be the game that starts the demolish and the demolition and the implosion of the SEC when it comes down to college football playoff time. There is a bit of a connection between both Kirby Smart and Jimbo Fisher, and that's they both are disciples of Nick Saban. Of course, Fisher coached with Saban at LSU during the 2003 National Championship season where he was the offensive coordinator. Kirby was the defensive coordinator for I believe it was seven years, seven or eight years with Saban out at Alabama before he took the job taking over for Mark Rick out in Athens. That was what a lot of people thought was going to be the game plan. So there's a bit of an admiration between each other. And Coach Fisher had some thoughts about what he's going to see this upcoming weekend, especially with what he's seen in the past from Kirby Smart in his pass rush. Oh, they'll pressure you now. Kirby, Kirby, Kirby's an aggressive guy now. Kirby's an aggressive guy. He's a great football coach. I've coached with him, been on staff with him. And uh, he's been around Nick and those guys all that time, and he has his own way of doing things. But he learned from good people, and they will pressure you as backers, inside butchers, double edge. But, I mean, you know, corners and wheel backers and uh, safeties on that side, front side, inside twist blitzes. They're, they'll bring it from all angles and are very exotic on third down, too. One of the biggest things that AM has seen struggles with this season is their pass protection on Kellen Bond. That's at least from what I've seen on the film. 
Last week against South Carolina, they gave up two sacks. While the offensive line did allow 500 total yards of offense for A&M, those two sacks are important. And the biggest concern that I have right now with the way Kirby Smart blitzes, he'll send corner blitzes, he'll have a free safety come from a running start out of the backfield and go ahead and work upfield, is that Mon's struggles on the road have been very prevalent this season. He has been fantastic when playing inside of Kyle Field. But when you take him out of his element, it's a little worrisome. He only has six interceptions on the year. Four have come away from College Station. That could be a problem if you're blitzing. Not because of Mon is going to feel like he's rushed to do it, but because of the offensive line is going to have to prepare extremely hard against the front seven, against a corner blitz. They'll send the nickel out into coverage and they'll have the outside corner come in and blitz. That's how it was done at Alabama by Kirby Smart. That's how it's been done at Georgia. They will do whatever it takes to put pressure on Mond because that's where he feels the most uncomfortable is when he's under pressure. And I think any quarterback would say, oh, I don't like being under pressure. I mean, nobody wants to be under pressure. But at the same time, if you're under pressure on the road in an environment that you don't know that well, big warning flag. Not just because of it could lead to a turnover, but it also could just lead to you miscommunicating with your receivers, third down and short, yet the punt, then punt. And then say the defense has to get a stop. And now you're going to go ahead and you're going to push the guys back. And now you have to go ahead and you're down by 7 nothing. So now you have to go rebuild. Pressure comes again. Third down, you miscommunicate. You have to punt again. 14 nothing. The reason I mention all that is because that's what happened against Auburn. Auburn was not the better team that day. A&M, I think, played overall better. But their slow start because of pressure that was given by A&M's offensive line led to their loss. That's my personal opinion. If Auburn doesn't get those blitzes and AM is able to connect early, we're looking at a team that's probably ranked in the 15 range. Maybe they're about maybe 14 instead of 24. And this is a highly anticipated matchup because of now you could actually make an argument that if for some reason LSU was to lose one of their games... That could lead to possibly a chance for AM to maybe sneak in as the West opponent. You have to not allow the pressure to Kellen Mond. Because Kellen Mond is on a hot streak right now, and the run game has been fantastic right now. And the way you do that is by limiting the blitzing. If you can eliminate the blitz packages, and you can protect Mond... Just long enough to let him get the throw off. I know there's been some plays where you can watch him and you see him holding the ball a little too long. You want him to have a five-step drop back and already have his target connecting immediately. If you can get that maybe, let's go, 50% of the time. It's a pretty even matchup in my opinion. If you can't, that could lead to trouble. We've seen AM lose both their game on the road to Clemson, and they nearly lost in Arlington to a horrendous Arkansas team. You don't want that in the final two games of the season. You don't. Because if you do, you're going to start to wonder 
what went wrong. And why could this team not win on the road? That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're following us on social media at Locked on Aggies, at Aggies SI, Aggie Maven, and Locked on Podcast Network. Have partnered together to give you quality content, both written and audio and visual content even. So just go check that out. It's at Aggies SI. You can also follow it at SI.com slash T-A-M-U. And make sure you follow me on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. Tomorrow, we will be talking all things sex A&M and how this team could possibly be the upset nation and how they're going to do it. How they're going to not just upset Georgia, but how they could also upset LSU. We're going to preview, start previewing both those games. Thursday's show, we have a very special guest. Sports Illustrated's Brooks Austin will be joining us talking about his coverage on Georgia and what the Bulldogs are going to have to do to stop AM from getting that win. We will see you tomorrow, same time, same place, Aggie fans. And remember, gig them, y'all. This has been Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network.